everybody this is your girl your friend your sister um this is crystal i just came on tonight to share um some things with our young people with anyone who's listening but specifically our young people um we were supposed to do a um a youth day a youth event and talk to them about salvation um but of course as we all know um there were some things that were canceled due to the coronavirus. Um, but nevertheless, I did not want to rob them out of hearing the word of the Lord. And so I decided to do an audio record for them um, so that they can listen and so that, you know, they can hear. So young people, I hope you're ready. Uh, I want you to first go grab your Bible, an ink pen or pencil and your journal notebook or paper so that you can record the things that I'm going to share with you on today. Um, I'm so glad to be here. I do give honor to God and to his spirit, to his presence and to his power. I'm grateful for what God is doing in my life, in your life, in the world today. Despite all of these, God is yet still in control and everything is in his hands. And I am grateful to be alive in this century and this time right now to minister to these people, God's people. Um, I am excited about our young people. I have more things to come. Um, I started this channel about two years ago, recorded things, deleted things, recorded things, didn't publish things, you know, but nevertheless, I am here to stay. And um, there is a word from the Lord. You know, I believe that our young people specifically need more teaching than anything so that they can become what God destined them to be right now. Um, the main purpose of me doing this channel was to get it out to our youth, um, not just millennials, but I mean, our youth, our youth, our youth from the age of accountability, 12 years old and even younger, God, um, God allowed, but to our youth to know, um, who God is and to receive him at an early age and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, that is my mission for this year, I want to really teach our young people how to receive the Holy Ghost and to operate in the spirit at a young age. There is no limit to who God has called you to be. There is no limit to when you need to start doing that, regardless of your environment and regardless of your culture. Um, there is no limit as to when you can start operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are filled, you are authorized to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we need training and cultivation and that thing, those things will come um, by the leading guidance of God. Amen. But I truly believe that and I know without a doubt in my mind that God is raising up a generation that is not going to wait until they're in their 40s or 50s to start doing the works of Christ because these are the end times. This is the last day. And God is looking for a strong generation to connect with a wise generation so that we can bring everything together in his name. So young people, I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have your Bibles. Um, I wait for about a second and a half, but your Bibles. Um, so our youth leader, one of our youth leaders at my church, she asked me to prepare something to talk to our young people about salvation. Um, a lot of times as a child, I can 
definitely remember coming to church and hearing about God and learning about God through Sunday school and through Bible study and even through home Bible study, um, just getting to know who God is. And my mother and my father, they took great um, passion, went to, through great lengths to make sure that we knew the word, um, not just because um, we were I guess church goers, not just because he was the pastor, not just because, you know, but my mother truly, her testimony alone wanted, she wanted us to know how real God is. You're talking about someone that never knew anything about Jesus Christ at all. And once introduced, never turned around and, you know, God rest her soul. She is and has been a true uh, woman of God that has left a legacy for us. And so her desire was that we are saved, her family is saved, and know about the Jesus that delivered her from a life of sin. And so her passion was teaching us at home. After homework, we had Bible work. Um, We had to really just let her know that we believed, you know, and let God know. She really introduced us to God through his word and made it so simple and plain that we were convicted at an early age and received Jesus Christ into our hearts. And so, you know, I'm grateful for good teaching. Um, I believe one of the passions that I have, again, as I stated earlier, is that our young people need good teaching. We cannot preach alone to them and expect them to just do things because we tell them to do. We, they have to understand why. They have to understand why. They have to understand how to do it. They have to understand the result of it because otherwise, number one, they'll be doing it out of obedience and not understanding. So it may not be, um, it won't last but so long. Um, they won't get the fullness of the essence of the purpose out of it. Um, and not only that, you know, as they get older, they'll be growing into a mentality that's not biblical and, and, and not relational with God. And so my, my job, my assignment, my mission is to really empower our youth to experience God for themselves and to do that by first, um, uh, accepting him as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But, and, and, and more importantly, or, or most importantly, aside with that is to get into the word. Um, there is no way around growing your relationship with God without the word. There is nothing else out there. Music, praise and worship is good. Every activity is good at your church, dance ministry, all of that type of stuff. Wonderful. But you need the word, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And I can't say it enough. The word of God is everything to do with God, about God, his salvation, the salvation of, of, of man. It's, it's your meat. It's your drink. It's your means of life. You will not be a successful or effective believer without his word, period. And um, that is something I believe that the church has drawn away from, not throwing stones or shade, but just the fact of the matter is, um, if you were to do a tally, there is a a famine or a, a lacking of the word itself, you know, we're preaching a lot of themes where, you know, which is wonderful, is great, whatever thus saith the Lord. But there has to be a very strong, meaty segment for the word of God because the word is God. <laughs> so he gave us something that we can eat on that is of him that we can actually feel and look at. And, and it's tangible. And that's the word because the word needs to become flesh in our life. And so 
I encourage everyone that is listening to, you know, I, I understand getting prayer. I understand um, counseling. I understand, you know, um, having a prayer partner. I understand having someone to talk to. But at the end of the day, make sure you're spending a quantitative amount of time in the word because I am a witness. I am a witness. If you have a demonic Spirit, if there's anything in your life, anything in your life that seems that you cannot get out of, the word of God knows how to break it. And I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what di- what, what statistics and dogma says. I guarantee you, spend a couple hours in the word of God and every stronghold will be broken. Demons will come out when you eat the word of God. So um, that's my introduction to, I want to talk to the young people um, about so young people, if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, so we're talking about salvation. Um, this is very exciting. I'm giving you tonight the concise version. Um, in person, I will go through the thorough, in-depth uh, teaching, um, but I'm going to start from, I want to say, phase two. Phase one, um, when we talk about salvation, I, I go into the basics of, okay, well, who is God? You know, um, everybody does not know God. Everybody has not heard of him. Everybody cannot relate to what a lot of us are privy to. So that's the first segment. But over this recording, I'm not going to go as in depth with that in the beginning. I'm going to give you a concise version, young people. And I do pray that you eat on this tonight all week long until the next series comes out, the next session comes out, um, and until we actually be able to physically meet. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, because first of all, you gave us life, health, and strength, God. You have covered us under your blood from the plague, oh God, of this virus, and we thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Mighty God, we touch and agree with every listener tonight that everything that they're going through, oh God, through this, your word, you will give them peace, oh God. Mighty God, that you would give them hope, oh God, that you would raise their hearts and their minds and their spirits to hear, oh God, what you are speaking into their hearts. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, that every stronghold will come down, oh God. I pray that every demonic spirit and influence will believe that them from their lives right now and be cast out into the sea of hallelujah the pit of hell from which it has come in the name of Jesus Satan the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus be against you father I pray that in this recording oh God that you will draw us back to your word that you would draw us back to our knees and that you would draw us back to you in the name of Jesus Lord let this word be nourishment oh God for our soul let it hydrate our soul in all the right places give us something to think about something to pray about something to work on something to change, something, oh God, to walk in, in the name of Jesus. I pray that our faith will be increased, oh God, and that you are glorified, God. Let your word speak, oh God, and not mine. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. God, I love you. I love you so much, oh God. I pray that you'll bless the listeners and the hearers on tonight. You be glorified, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, young people, um, anyone who's listening, I pray that you're blessed by this. This is the concise version, as I stated in the last recording. This is a concise version of salvation. Uh, we have a thorough layout um, that starts with who God is, who is God, how do you believe in God, do you believe in God. Um, that's the basis of what we're talking about. We cannot talk about salvation without talking about faith. Faith is the foundation for 
our salvation, period. There's nothing added, taken away. It's simply faith. Um, and what I encourage and what I am endeavoring to convey is that we have to believe. We have to believe in order for us to experience God for who he is and the word for what his word represents himself. Um, we have to have faith. We have to believe. We have to know that he is God. And so as we go into this concise, brief, abbreviated version, um, there's going to be very participatory. Um, hopefully in the future we will have a, a set date and time where we can sit and, you know, have our whiteboards and we can ask questions and experience salvation in that setting. Amen. But while we're on this recording, we just ask that you just participate. I believe that as you participate, it's going to increase your faith. It's going to enlighten you and encourage you to get to know God for yourself. Amen. And so um, let's get into this. When we talk about salvation, we are talking about God's eternal love for mankind. That is everyone. That's those who are here, those who came and who have died, those who haven't even been born yet. God established salvation for everyone that believes. Okay, so salvation in a simple definition, salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay, salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'll say it again the third time. Salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to say that with me, young people. Salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay, alongside of that, salvation has a lifetime of benefits. Okay, a lifetime of benefits to them that believe. All right, so as I stated earlier, the only way that any of us are going to experience God, salvation, and the benefits that come is when and if we believe. Amen. When and if we believe. So that means that if I believe, amen, a lot of times we we have doubts, we have uncertainties. Some people really don't know, you know, how to live in something that I cannot see. And a lot of times it's obvious for others because we've activated our faith. When we say activate our faith, we've unlocked our heart. We have to believe in our heart, open up our heart, open up ourselves to it and accept what we have heard about God through his written word as true. So when I open up my heart and I accept the written word in the Bible as truth, I am activating my faith. And so what I want to share with you is that sometimes, whether we're in the church, out of the church, far from the church, far from the Bible, far from biblical theology, far from learning about God, each and every one of us has been given the same measure of faith. (laughs) So even if, let's say, an atheist says, I don't believe in God, the truth is, you still have a measure of faith. (laughs) Every person that is born into this world has a measure of faith. Faith is not is not something that is spiritual until you connect it to God. Until you connect it to the word of God, faith is is hope, is expectation. For example, 
If I am a basketball player, if you are a basketball player and you're on the court and you're dribbling, you have hopes, first of all, that you're going to win the game. That's faith because faith is hope. It is expectation. When you go to shoot that basket, you have hope and faith and expectation that it's going to make it. You're going to win that shot. You're going to make that shot. That's faith. Your faith in God activates when you receive his truth and accept the word of God as truth. When you begin to believe that he is, that's when your faith becomes spiritual and you can experience the supernatural power of God in your life. Okay, so we have now faith is our foundation. We cannot go any further until we've established our faith that number one, God is. Let me go to Romans. Let me go to Romans, the 12th chapter and the third verse. Okay, as I stated, each and every one of us has been given the same measure of faith. I know a lot of times we have, you know, I have great faith. I have big faith. My faith is that's good. We want to get to explaining that. But every single person has the same measure of faith. And the only reason why someone would say I have great faith or I have is because they've built on that faith by believing God in, in stages of their life. So from one experience to the next Their faith has been increased. Their faith has been grown. But guess what? It all started with the same measure. All right, let's read this. Turn into your Bibles. We're in the New Testament. I'm reading the King James Version right now. Romans chapter 12. Now, I want to correct. I want to faith is spiritual, whether we embrace the spirituality of it in the beginning. Faith is something that is it's not a character trait. It is not um, hereditary. It is something that God puts in us when we come into this world. So I, I want to correct. It is spiritual in the sense that it, it comes from God. Okay. Don't misquote me. It's spiritual in the sense that it comes from God. Many people don't identify it as, oh, God gave me the ability to believe and to have hope. A lot of people don't give it back to him and say, this is from God. Oh, but faith. Hope and expectation comes from the Lord. Okay, I want to make that clear. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay, so we will call this clause A, part A. I want to read part B. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Okay, your Bible should read it like that. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Excuse me. So when we say everyone has the same faith, God has given us the same measure. He has. He didn't give me uh, one cup of faith and then gave someone else five gallons of faith no he gave each of us the same measure of faith and as I was reading I was working on a sermon and I was reading and this came to me so clear I was like well what can we measure the same measure of faith how do we measure that same measure of faith okay go with me to Matthew Saint Matthew it is the first book in the New Testament Saint Matthew I'll give you time to change it St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. God, I thank you. And we're starting at the 20th verse. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, 
For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Okay, so that's Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Let's read that again. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So guess what? We all have mustard seed that that small. And I want you to look up mustard seed. I want you to look up mustard seed. I want you to see how small of a grain it is. And I want you to understand that God has given us that much, that much to start with. Each and every individual has that much to start with. I'm going to read the easy English version. I'm going to read just that portion that I read. What I say is true. If you believe in God, even a little bit, then you can do great things. You can say to this mountain, move from this place to the other place and it will move. You can do anything. Okay. So all God is saying, I just need you to believe me a little bit, a little bit at a time, a little bit at this time, a little bit the next time. The more we believe, the more our faith will be increased and enlarge itself. Alrighty. And so number one, let's, let's quick review. Faith is our foundation for our salvation. Let's say that together. Faith is our foundation for our salvation. Faith is our foundation for our salvation. We cannot be saved. We cannot receive anything from the Lord if we do not believe. We must believe. We must believe. We must believe. We must believe. And guess what? You have it in you to believe. By choice, you believe. We have to choose to believe. A lot of times it's easy to believe each other because we see each other. And we see each other day by day. We hear each other's words. And so it's easy for us to believe each other because we see each other. But the the good thing about this is that God is say, I want you to believe me for the fact that you can't see me. He is a spirit. God is a spirit. And we believing in the supernatural power of a God that we cannot see, but we know he's there. We don't see him with our natural eyes, but we see his glory all around us. We see the earth. We see everything that's moving in the earth. And as a part of his glory, we're here because of him. When we choose to believe, a lot of times there can be so many good things happening all around us. And there's that speck of doubt, you know, where I, I don't feel anything. I don't, I can't experience that. That person, we have to unlock ourselves. We have to unlock our hearts. We believe in our heart, in our innermost place. And then we will receive those same things. The moment we open up, their, their life will flow freely. And that's what faith is. It's believing something. Though I cannot see it with my natural eye, I see it. I can see it. Have you ever 
saw yourself in the future. Like, let's say when you were a child, you can, your imagination, you just saw yourself the princess of that castle, or you saw yourself a basketball player, a football player, a doctor, a nurse, a surgeon, a, a lawyer, whatever it was, and you saw yourself there. You, you dressed yourself. You were in the best outfit. Your hair was a certain way. That's what faith is. It sees something that does not necessarily exist right now. Faith says what I see is is tangible, but I can't touch it right now. I can't even experience it now, but I know it's there. And that's what faith is. Let's go over to Hebrews. Hebrews. Some of you all know where I'm going. So let's go. Let's all go. Hebrews. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And the first verse. Some of you know this by heart. As I give you these scriptures, I want you to write these scriptures down. I want you to begin to learn these scriptures. I want you to memorize these scriptures. I know that you can do it. Put it somewhere where you can see it, where you can revisit it every day. But through this segment of salvation and the scriptures that we give you, I want you to learn these scriptures. I want you to write them. I want you to pray them. I want you to say them out loud. Now, this scripture, and some of you may or may not be standing up, but I want you to stand up. Grab your Bible. Get your Bible in your hand. And I want you to declare this with me. We're going to read the scripture together. I cannot hear you, but I believe that you're going to say this with me loud and clear. I believe that you're going to speak this with confidence. Be confident in the fact that you have the scripture. You're reading from the word. So we don't have to give you the words. You don't have to learn or memorize the words right now. But you're reading from the Bible itself. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Okay. Let's say that again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now this time I really want you to declare this thing. I want you to say it as loud as you can. Whether you're in your home, in your room, in your closet. If, you, if you're not in a place where you can say it out loud. Say it in your mind. Say it underneath your breath. Say it in your heart. I want you to begin to speak this word with confidence. And know that this word is true. What you're saying is true. What you're saying is real. Let's say it together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, I'm going to read this in the easy English version. Okay, if we believe God, we can be completely sure about things. We will be sure about the things we hope for. We will be sure about the things we cannot see. Okay, so faith, I'm sure, I'm confident, oh, that God is real. I'm confident that he is real. I'm confident in his power and his ability. I may not see it with my natural eye, but I believe that it exists. I may not feel it with my hands, but I believe that is there. I may not know how, when, what, or where, but I know that it will happen. I know that what I'm asking for is going to happen. I know that what I'm praying for is going to happen because I have accepted God as the true and living God. I have believed and accepted that he is real. I have believed and accepted what his word says about him, that he will not leave me nor forsake me, but he will be with me forever for the rest of my life. If I believe, 
Amen. That is a good place to just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Faith is the assurance and confidence in what I don't see. It's the confidence in what I believe. I believe it. And let me tell you something, young people. When you believe something, nobody can take that from you. Nobody can rob you of your faith unless you allow it. Nobody can rob you. Nobody can steal it. If There's no place to hide. Your faith is hidden in your heart. So unless you let the enemy come in and rob you and beat you down with doubt and unbelief, your faith is your treasure. It belongs to you. And as long as you believe in God, everything will work out for you. Okay. So I I want to back up a little bit. We talked about benefits and I want you to write down because this is something hopefully when we sit down and talk, we're going to talk about benefits. And I want you to ask yourself, what is a benefit? There are so many benefits to salvation. There's so many benefits in being a child of God. But guess what? You have to believe. So get that in your mind. If I believe in God, God has so many unlimited, unlimited benefits and blessings that are at my reach. All because I believe him. All because I trust in him. All because I know that he is God. Okay, so here's a question. What do you believe? What do you believe? Write that down. What do I believe? What do I believe? I don't want you to write down or think about what anybody has ever said, what they believe. I want you to think for yourself without your parents' mind, without the pastor's voice, without the parent's voice, without anybody. But ask yourself, you, call your name. What does Crystal believe? What do I believe? And I want you to just take a moment to write down what you believe. I believe in God. I believe that he's real. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the savior of the world. I believe that he is real. Okay. What do we believe? What do we believe? Okay. So as you write this down, I want you to think about your faith. Now we already stated each one of us has the measure of faith. You have faith and you've been living by faith, whether you believe it or not. Everything we go to do, we do it in some sort of faith. And what salvation is, it is the finished work of Jesus Christ, but it is the work that we have to believe in because it's something that covers our lifetime. Okay. Something that covers our lifetime. Alrighty. You are the only one in charge of your faith. So when I say, I want you to think about you and yourself and your heart and your mind, you are the only one that is in charge of your faith. So what, for example, your parents, they can believe for you. They can believe God on your behalf, but they can't believe as you. So my dad can say, this is Crystal's faith that I'm believing. I'm believing and I'm building Crystal's faith. Like I'm taking her faith. No, I believe God on behalf of Crystal, but she has to believe God for herself. Okay. I can't, it's just like, um, it's just like a signature. If you sign, if you have a check, you're trying to write out to someone. Okay. Your parents cannot sign that check and authorize that check 
in your name. You are the authorizer of that check. You're releasing those funds from your account to that person. If somebody says this is your property, a stranger can't come and say, oh, no, I'm just going to speak on behalf of John on his property. No, he has to come and do this on his own. So the same way with our faith, our faith is within us. And only we can profess our faith. Okay. You're the only one that's responsible for how much you want to grow. Your faith can grow. You can go to heights and depths and widths in God when you believe like, like none other. And I don't mean in comparison to people. I'm talking about when you believe God to the extremity that you can believe him to within yourself. And you, it becomes no more, I believe, but I just know, I know God, I know that he's going to do this. I know that he's able, I know that he's capable. I know that he can, God can work wonders in your life. Another thing I want to encourage you that without faith, we cannot please God. And this is one of the main things that I believe a lot of us struggle with is that sometimes we believe him, sometimes we question him, sometimes we have doubt. That's that's normal. It is natural to have questions and to even doubt. But at the end of the day, our faith has to be renewed through his word. Our faith has to be renewed through his word. So we have to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Without faith, that is in Hebrews chapter 11, same chapter, verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. Okay. Without faith, we cannot be pleasing to God. So the best thing that God loves, he loves it. When we believe him, you know why we said this earlier, because he's not a man, he's a spirit. And so when we open our heart to say, I'm going to believe God, I don't see him, but I know he's there. I believe he has all power. I believe he can do anything but fail. God can do everything except fail. That is the one thing God cannot do. And that's fail. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. He cannot ask more than one thing, but you, you get what I'm saying. God cannot fail. Everything that God does is right. Everything that God does is right. Everything that God does is true. Everything that God does is 100. So, you know, the 100% you get on your test, you got the spelling test, you got 100. You got your math test, you got 100. You got everything. He's perfect. He's perfect every day, all day, from now, from eternity, from eternity to eternity. He's 100%. You won't find a flaw in God. You won't find wrong in God. He is flawless. He is perfect. We are not perfect, but God is perfect. God is all powerful. And there is nothing in this world that he cannot do. There's no sickness he cannot heal. There's no one that is bound. If you are dealing with fear, anxiety, depression, God can deliver you and heal you according to your faith. Because he can. And he has the power over everything in this earth, in the heavens and underneath this earth. God has the power. Hallelujah. 
God has the power. So I want to encourage you also to know that we are, when we talk about salvation, we're talking to people, we're talking to to you, young people, I'm encouraging you because it is time that you get to know God for yourself. It's time that you branch away from um, um, everybody else's words about God and really open yourself to experience him on your own. You're experiencing a lot right now in society excuse me, you're experiencing a lot right now in your school, in your home, in your own internal person that you have questions and you need direction. And a lot of times the parents, we, we will give you sound guidance and sound judgment and we will give you the words of wisdom. But let me tell you something. When you open yourself up to God and you want to be Better. You want to be free of feeling sadness in your heart, free of feeling an aching in your heart, free of feeling that emptiness. You want that to be full. I inc- I dare you to open yourself and start talking to God. You want a best friend? Start talking to God. Start talking to God. And I promise you, he will be closer to you than your natural family, your natural brothers, your natural sister, your natural best friend. He will fill up the void. He's a gap filler. I'm a witness to that. So as you go through your life, I want you to understand that in 2 Corinthians, let's go there. Excuse me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Excuse me. Yes. Chapter 5 verse. uh, Let me see. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. And this is a parenthetic statement, but I want to say this because this is in the word. It's the scripture and we are going to quote these scriptures. I had you stand up and say the scripture because there is power in the word of God. When you begin to stand and declare the word of God or open your mouth and declare the word of God, the word of God will kill the negativity in your atmosphere. It'll kill the negativity in your life. It'll kill the negativity in your mind. It'll kill the negativity in your environment. Environment. The word of God is your weapon. Sometimes you don't know what to say, but if you can start quoting a scripture until whatever negativity, whatever bad spirit, whatever is wrong becomes right. That's the power of God in his word. So I encourage you as often as you can start learning these scriptures, learn them, meditate on them, think about them day and night, write them down over and over, memorize them over and over. You will find strength through this. The areas where you, where you are weak at, where you have low self-esteem, the areas where you feel like you're ugly, the areas where you feel like you're, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. I'm guarantee you this word will empower you. This word will give you confidence. This word will give you strength and ability beyond what you think, beyond what you see. Get in the word, young people. Get in the word. Get in the word. Speak the word. Declare the word. Say the word. Okay? Write it. When you go to bed, say it. When you wake up, say it. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Get this word because you're going to need this word every day of your life. This word will keep you alive. It'll allow you to see. It'll open your eyes. It'll give you clarity. It'll help you. I'm telling you, it will help you. 
You should be there by now. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. We walk by faith, not by sight. We for we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. As you begin to accept God as the true and living God, knowing that there is no other God beside him. As you begin to accept his word, as you begin to accept his truth, you will begin to walk by faith. There are facts out here. There's a facts, you know, yes, cancer is a disease and it kills. That's a fact. Yes, diseases are out here and they kill. That's a fact. Yes, but God's power is greater than that. His power is greater than every sickness and disease. There are bullyings, yes. There are shootings, yes. But God's power can stop these things from happening. When you believe, when you pray, he'll protect you. He'll keep you. All right. So we're talking about faith. We're talking about faith. All righty. So it looks like. My time is up. I'm going to have one more thing to say, and I'm going to get out of your way until next time, because God, I, I, I want to go, even though this is a concise version, I want to take our time to get through this. I want you to write down your questions. I want you to write down your thoughts. I want you to write down, try to find scriptures in the Bible about faith. If you go to the back of your Bible, everybody go to the back of your Bible, you should see something that says concordance. I want you to go through, it's just like a glossary. I want you to find the word faith. And I want you to find those scriptures that have faith in it. Okay? And I want you to write and read those scriptures. Note, notate them, read those scriptures. We will share at a later date. But I want you to, I'm working with you young people. I want to know that you desire to go forward in the Lord. I want to know how bad, how much do you want to know about the Lord? How much? God has so much in store for you, young people. And so with that, I want you to turn into your Bibles to faith. Go to the concordance, get some scriptures on faith. I want you to write those scriptures down. I want you to read those scriptures this week. Read them along with Hebrews 11 and 1, Hebrews 11 and 6, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Matthew I don't believe that was Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Yeah, we're going to work. We're here to work. We're here to learn. And right now what you're doing, you are feeding your spirit. You're feeding your heart. Okay. This is what's going to help you grow spiritually. It's going to help you grow spiritually. I want you to put some of your TV time away and get into the word. Put some of your Facebook time, your Instagram time, and get into the word because this is going to do you some good. All right. All righty. So um, we want to stop here tonight. We just gave you the beginning, the, the version of the, the beginning of salvation by talking about our foundation. The foundation of our salvation is faith. Okay. So the next time I see you and I'm going to ask you. What is the foundation of salvation? I want you to tell me something about it. Okay. I want you to tell me something about it. I have a scripture here that I'm going to read for you and we're going to pray and I'm going to let you go. 
I want you to write down your scriptures, write down your questions, and we're going to go from there. All right. This is the faith scripture. It says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Young people, I want you to know, the rock is Jesus. Your faith has to be established on Jesus Christ alone. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We give you all of the glory. We give you all of the glory. Hallelujah. No matter what the enemy tried to do earlier, oh God, we thank you right now for the victory over this, God. We thank you for the hearers on tonight. We thank you, God, because we know that you have spoken to your people. Father God, and I ask that you allow your word to be established in their hearts and in their spirits. I ask you, God, to allow your word, oh God, to reach the places where no one else can go. Oh, God, I pray that you would fill in the gaps. Deliver, God, through this, your word, in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We lift you up. Let this word, God, resonate in their hearts tonight. Let it resonate in their spirit and in their soul. In the name of Jesus, cover them under your blood, oh, God. Let your blood prevail. Let your word prevail. Give them understanding as they read the scriptures. Help them not to get distracted, oh, God. But give them a focus, oh, God to study your word and be students of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Young people, I love you. You guys be blessed. All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, we're glad to be back. Um, this is the second and the, probably the last portion of salvation. Um, we truly give honor to the Spirit of God and to Him, His deity. We thank God for his mercy, his grace. We thank him for his power. Um, there is a lot going on in the land. And right now we just want to lift up a prayer, a prayer unto him before we begin. All righty, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you right now, oh God, for this day that you have made. We thank you for light, for health, for strength, food, clothing, and shelter. We thank you for allowing us to be alive in the land of the living. Excuse me. We thank you, O oh God, for being our shield, our protector, our buckler, O oh God, our friend. We thank you for God. In times like these, you are the only one that we can really look to for strength and for direction. We turn to your word, O oh God, for guidance. We turn to you, God, for um, understanding. We turn to you, God, for wisdom, O oh God, for the answers, O oh God, for hope. You are our hope. Lord, and we just ask that you will bless this session tonight, God, as we continue to speak about salvation, as we continue to share what you have, oh God, revealed unto me, shown me, and encouraged me to share with your people, Lord God. I ask that you will bless the hearers tonight, whomever is hearing, oh God, you know the very situation that they're in, the state that they're in, you know their mind, their heart, their soul, their spirit. I pray that you would help them to move beyond that, 
oh God, and hear from you. Help them to know that you love them so much and that no matter what they're going through, it's not greater than your love. It's not greater than your help. It's not greater than your support. It's not greater than you. You are God above all. And even though, God, things may be chaotic or upside down in their life, God, you are still in control of it. It's not going to overtake them. It's not going to, God, take them out. It's not going to do any harm to them. But on the other side of it, when it's over with, oh God, they will be better and stronger. We will all be better and stronger. We will all be empowered and encouraged, oh God. And I ask that you would just let this word sink into the hearts and the minds of the people, oh God. Let this word be a light to somebody in a dark place, uncertain, unsure, afraid. Oh God, let this word be, oh God, a beacon of light, oh God, in their obscurity. I pray that you would make it clear to them, God, who you are in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would get to that place in them, God, that may be bound, that may be locked up, that may be burdened down and just deliver them. Release them from the hand of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, I'm asking that you will settle our hearts and our spirits in you so that, God, you will know that we love you. But most of all, we will know, God, that you are on our side and that you are with us. We thank you, God, for this opportunity. God, it all belongs to you. Speak, God, that you are. Speak, great God, that you are. Let these be your thoughts. Let these be the words from your heart. Let this be the words from your mouth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I love you, God, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So our first segment again, this is the concise version. Welcome everyone that has joined in tonight is listening. Um, we originally started out about salvation. And again, as I first stated, this is the concise version, um, the audio version of salvation. Um, let's talk about salvation. That's what this is all about. And we first introduced um, the understanding that we cannot fully experience salvation without having faith. Um, our faith is the foundation of salvation. And so we covered that in our first portion, as you have heard. And right now we're going to move forward and um, finish talking about salvation and getting into the meat of that. And then we're going to let you go. All right. So I just want to review the last scriptures. Um, we ended, you know, we talked about Hebrews 11 and six, and it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for we must believe that he is for he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I want to say the reward of our worship, the reward of our faith, of our prayer, of our, you know, communion with God is himself. Um, when we activate and our faith and we act on our faith, everything we do when we pray, we're acting in faith. When we read the word and believe it, we're acting in faith. Everything that we do, God rewards us with himself. And what that means is that the more we spend time with him, the more time we we give to him in prayer, the more he himself is giving himself to us. So we will be 
changed and transformed to his image. We will become the word that we read. We will become the word that we read. We will become the word that we read and we will become like him. And so um, it's an experience that you have to experience for yourself. But what I will say is that the more you spend time with God, the more you will become like him and he will give you himself. And so a lot of the things that we struggle with that we can name, sometimes we're not able to name everything. And there's a lot of things we don't know that that we deal with. But when you are connected to God and you fill yourself with his presence, a lot of those things, they, they are destroyed, they're removed because he's filling us with himself. All right. So I encourage you to start from where you are. If you don't have a regular prayer life, if you don't have a regular worship life at home, outside of your Sunday, outside of your weeknight services, outside of your Um, corporate worship, I encourage you to get the full benefits that we talked about earlier of salvation. We got to just step it up. You know, Um, we really have to increase our personal growth and our personal uh, relationship with God, because that's number one, what God requires, um, that we love no other God that there's no other God. And what we have to look at is when we look at the Ten Commandments and it said, let there be no other God before me, anything can turn into a God. The thing that's, that we admire the most, the thing that we indulge in the most, the things that we indulge in, excuse me, the most, the things that we just got to have, got to, got to, got to, got to. I remember a time when I was younger there was a soap opera that every time it came on, no matter where I was, I had to stop what I was doing to catch it. I could be out of the house miles away from home and I would drive all the way home just to get this portion of the show until there was a time I was with my aunt and I was trying to rush her, you know, can we please get home by this time? And it was to the point I was in tears literal tears, heart hurt. I mean, (laughs) I mean, really? And I began to rush. It's like, you mean to tell me these people are making money. These are actors. They're making money. This is a storyline. It's not even real. And you just want to get there to see what's going to happen next. And you've, you've bought into it. You know, you've really bought into it. And it made me think, it made me feel stupid too, but it made me think like, wait a minute. You know, and she broke in. Here you are in school and you're helping these people get paid because of this, this show, this soap opera. That's not even real. After this, they went about their business. They're probably home now doing whatever. You know, and it made me think that I cannot tie my heart to things, first of all, that are not real. That's what an idol is. It is something that um, is, is fictitious. It's false, has no power. Um, but it is a, a dead thing. Even people, we idol, idolize athletes and actors and actresses, but they have no power. There's no deity in them. They can't do anything for us, you know? And so we just have to watch things that we are selling our hearts and souls to, because at the end of the day, when you reach for strength and you may reach for power, when you reach for encouragement, they're not going to be the ones to give it to you. Um, one thing that one of my mentors said is that, you know, people, can can um can't give you anything but they'll take they'll take from you you know whether they realize it or not so 
you know, we just have to understand who God is and that he is our creator and that the creator longs for the creation to worship him and him alone because he has all power. He is sovereign. His power stands alone. All right. So given we're talking about God, we're talking about knowing God. Um, I just want to rehearse that salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, that work is the fact that man in Genesis, if we were to read the book of Genesis or really the first half, we would understand that God created the heavens and the earth and he created every living thing. Everything we see today is God's creation and it's according to your faith that you believe that or not. But I'll tell you the fact of the matter is God created the heaven and the earth. Um, everything, the stars, the moon, the sun, the skies, the heavens. Um, and um, we, we find in Genesis that God created man. One of his most precious creations was man, you and I, human, mankind. Um, and he created it for his purpose to commune. In his own image, he wanted someone to talk to. He wanted someone to speak with. He wanted someone to share with. And he made it so that every animal had, you know, male and female. Um, and when Adam was created from the dust, if you read that, he blew through his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And from that, we gather and understand that God created us from nothing. And when the Bible says that we are but vapor, we are literally vapor. So when we see the dust in our home, understand that we are from the dust of the earth. God literally made us out of nothing. And it's if we think about it long enough and understand it fully, we have no reason not to serve God at all, at all. Um, and so he created Adam and out of his side, his rib, he created Eve, both male and female. And we understand that God gave everything that they needed. They were in the Garden of Eden and some will call this a paradise place. Some will call this a living garden. Everything in the garden was alive. Everything was, every need was met. Everything was there. Um, but he gave Adam a commandment not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, a lot of times God tells us something or our parents will tell us something that, you know, at the time it might make sense, like, oh, okay, you know. But even in all of that, curiosity <laughs> is what kills the cat, is what they say. But God gave Adam a commandment. You know, I don't want, you can eat, have everything in this garden, but this tree, off limits. Um, and so most of us know the story that once Eve came along, you know, and the serpent who was Satan that was kicked out of heaven before the world came, before have before the, the space and all of that was created, the heavens where God dwells, Satan, Lucifer, one of the angels was kicked out and he was made um, a part of that garden. <laughs> Satan, the serpent, and he deceived Eve. Eve ate the fruit, 
But the man of God, Adam, ate the fruit. And all of this led to this disobedience, flat out disobedience. Um, because Eve believed the lie that the enemy told her, um, deceived her. And um, there's so much in that. I'm not going to chase it, but I just want you to be watchful of the enemy when God tells you not to do something. Don't do it, period. So we know that sin entered into the world because of Adam's disobedience. They were kicked out of the garden and they were cursed. Um, Eve's womb, womb excuse me, was cursed to the sense where... She was going to have pain through childbearing, which why now we as women, um, we have pain <laughs> through childbearing. Who knows? God would have made it such an easy, uh, painless um, experience. But nevertheless, so I say in all of this to try to give you the background of where sin, how sin was created. And so when sin and that's another subject we're going to talk about, about sin. Um, sin is, is in a nutshell, the offense against God's law. So anytime you offend his law in any way, shape or form, he considers it sin. Um, and we'll leave that there. He considers it sin. So disobedience is sin. And throughout the generations from that time until now, God, the master strategist, tried to redeem us. Uh, reconnect us because what happened is sin came and it brought a separation. God loves us, but sin is the thing that separates us from him. It is something that um, it's just like poison. It's, it's no good for us. It kills us, you know, and the only way to really be with God is that we are pure. You know, Adam and Eve, they were pure, no sin. They were perfect. No knowledge of good or evil, no knowledge of good, no knowledge of bad. They were just there in their innocence there, you know. Um, and so sin brought forth the will of man. You know, it brought forth the will of man to choose right from wrong, um, to understand and reason right from wrong um, in a sense of the will to do it. <laughs> so, um Sin separated us from God, which is, if you think on it, it's, it's very sad because God that gave us everything, um, it, it, we turned around and hurt him and, um, and it, it brought a distance. And so God said, okay, I don't want the thing that I love to be that far from me. How can I get them back to me without the sin in the picture? I can't stand the sight of sin, the smell of sin. How can I get it, get them back to me where they're, they're in my spirit, they're in my, they can be in my presence and I not gag or they can be in my presence and I not, you know, be disappointed when I see them. How can I reconnect and re, you know, renew our relationship with man? This is my best creation, man. And most of us know the story that, God sent himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to cover the consequence for that disobedience. Um, you know, being kicked out of the garden, having to work now uh, the ground to cause growth and, and food, having to hunt and having to, 
you know, piece the clothes together. All of that was work, you know, and many would have thought that that was the consequence. But the thing about that is it was the result of sin, but the fact that sin was still reigning in the in the world, sin was still present. It was still, you know, either you don't sin or if you do sin, I have to kill you, you know, <laughs> you know. And so, gee, God was just, you know, I, I really need someone to cover this debt. And so that's why Jesus came, because the debt of sin is death. It is death. And God did not want to destroy what he created um, a second time, because we know in the Bible, Noah, you know, built the ark. He destroyed the world because it was just too sinful. People did not choose God. They chose themselves. And um, even today now, most of times uh, we don't choose God, we choose ourselves. So we have to be careful that we don't get into his wrath. And just to make a long story short, the debt of sin is death. Jesus came to pay that debt. So if I have a bill that I need to pay, but I can't pay it, and somebody says, hey, I'll pay this for you. They'll take this money to that company. They'll pay the debt. I'm free to go. I won't be held. I won't go to jail. I won't be punished for it. I can go scot-free. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I just have to keep up my good terms with that company. And so that's what Jesus did for us. The sin from the first Adam, the first man that sinned, he came and covered the debt so that we don't have to face that death. Now, when Jesus came, covered the debt, he brought grace, 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 G-R-A-C-E, grace. He came with grace. I want to start in this book here. He came with grace. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. St. John. St. John and let me go here. St. John chapter 1. This doesn't want to work for me. 1 and 14. Okay. I'm going to go 1 and 14, and then I'm going to read St. John 1 and 17. Turn in that for me. Now, you should have your Bibles. You should have your notebook, pen or pencil. St. John 1 verses 14. And then I'm going to read 17. St. John chapter 1, verse 14. Okay, and it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. 
verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay. Alrighty. So the law simply means, and I'm going to test you on this. We have the Ten Commandments. But if we were to read in the Old Testament how the law was established and the consequences for breaking that law, you were stoned to death, you were killed, um, you were punished. And in the time they said you want to cut your hand off if you stole, you know, there are many consequences in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, that is the New Covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. In the New Testament, we're talking about grace. Um, grace means it is the extend. It's God's unmerited favor. Okay, grace, God's unmerited favor. That means that God is not going to give me uh, what I deserve. You know. He's not going to give me what I deserve. Um, Grace says that he will forgive us. Okay. He will forgive us. He will forgive us. So grace extends forgiveness. Alrighty. Grace extends forgiveness. And so a lot of times we say, okay, I'm not going to allow you to suffer at the consequence of your sin but if you ask for forgiveness I will forgive you um, we talk about mercy and how you know he withholds what we do deserve you know he withholds that and grace and mercy is a powerful understanding to know that God's not going to give me as my sins deserve he's not going to allow me to go through the consequence but if, 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 if I ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive me and forgiveness, you know, asking for forgiveness is not saying not to take it for granted, you know, okay, Lord, forgive me. Even though I did that, I did it willfully. I did it intentionally, even, and the fact I didn't mean to, but we don't want to take it for granted in the sense where we just do things and God's grace becomes, you know, unprofitable in a sense. You know, God, God extends his grace a um, hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred. You know, we just don't want to frustrate his grace uh, because then now we're going into a different area where God can become angry with us. So grace came and says, I know the law says that if you do this lawfully, legally, you should be stoned. But because Jesus died for our sins, Jesus fulfilled the law and says, we are no longer operating under this law, but you can come to me. And I'll forgive you. You know, and when we come to him and ask him for forgiveness, we really need to be sure and certain that we're not putting ourselves in the same situation to make that same mistake again. We're really not. Um, deliberately just asking God to forgive you because we know we did it. We did something wrong. But the fact that we truly sincerely do not want to do this again, you know, and that's where also repentance comes. Um, repentance is turning away from your sin, from your wrong and turning to God with the mind that I'm not going to do that again. So if I was once 
let's say a smoker or if I cussed a lot and I asked God to forgive me for cussing and then to help me to stop cussing, I deliberately make up in my mind, I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to turn to God. So I'm going to give God more of my time in prayer and my time reading his word because I don't want to go that route anymore. I'm going to ask God to sanctify me from foul language so that their words are no longer in my mouth, in my mind, in my spirit to even speak, to even utter it. And if I am sincere to God and if I really want to stop doing something, I'm going to keep praying until the spirit of the Lord fills me with himself and removes that from me. And you will know, you will know. Alrighty. So we have grace and then we have repentance Repentance, I am turning away from the evil and I'm turning unto God. So if I'm turning my back to the evil and I'm saying I'm not doing this anymore, God, forgive me of my wickedness. I'm turning unto you. I am deliberately deciding to walk into the newness of life, to walk into God's uh, grace. And that is the um, ability. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve his goodness. I don't deserve him to look over my fault or to look over but because he loves us so he will look over it and says come walk with me come this way live this life that i have given unto you all righty so he's full of grace he's full of truth and so jesus is here and so when we talk about salvation um jesus came and brought these things grace mercy truth um Many of all of us deserve death, but the mercy of God says, I'm going to give you another opportunity to get it right. I'm going to give you another chance to get it right. And so we need to thank God for his mercy. So when we talk about salvation, we've talked about faith and how we have to believe in him. We have to believe that he is. We have to believe that what he said is true and who he is is true. And when we believe in him, it will make it so much easier for us to understand why he did what he did. It will help us to understand who he is. Alrighty. And so the work of Jesus Christ, he came, he died on the cross at Calvary. That was the penalty of that sin. He died on the cross. He hung on the cross. He was beaten Skin pulled from his bones, beaten, beaten, I mean beaten, unrecognizably beaten, you know, unconscious. Blood is everywhere. Gruesome death, humiliating death. He died, um, hung on the cross for hours, humiliated, mocked, laughed at, you know, I mean, to scorn. It was a gory thing. None of us were there. But if we think about the scriptures and how he was taken to trial. So think about in today's time of somebody who's just plainly innocent, helping, healing people, helping people. But he's getting ready to go to jail for somebody else committing a crime. Everybody knows he's innocent, but they don't like him. They want him to go to jail. They want him to live. But instead of doing all the jail time, they're going to have an open execution and beat him in front of hundreds of thousands of people openly naked um, until there's no you can't even recognize the person. 
have them walk up a rocky, long hill just to pick up, you know, to, to carry a cross there, a wooden cross on your bloody back, bruised back, wounded back. A flesh is literally hanging from his bones. He's walking half naked, bleeding everywhere. Lord knows I'm sure he has beyond a headache. He's probably outside of his mind, you know, from the beating and the blue bruising and the blood, you know, and he's going up to Calvary, Golgotha, and with this cross, this cross, this crucifixion, this cross required. And um, he's doing all of this because he loves us. He's doing all of this. Because he loves us. This is why when the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. There is nobody in this world that loves us more than Jesus Christ. And to experience that love, we must believe. All we got to do is open our hearts to him. All we have to do is open our spirits to him. That's John chapter 15 and verse 13. I'm going to read that. It says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. So understand, God wants all of us to be saved, all of us to be saved, all of us to come in connection with him, all of us to reconnect to him through Jesus Christ. So he died on the cross for us. And I'll continue. He gets there and he has his cross. He's nailed to the cross. Nails are going through each of his hands. Nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head. They raise the cross high. They drop it in the ground and he hangs there. He's bearing our sorrows. He's bearing our fears, our, our, our anxiety. He's bearing low self-esteem. He's bearing our sicknesses, our diseases. He's bearing our sin and the weight of that sin for the whole world. For the whole world, not just one person alone, but the entire world, people whom we never met. But for the whole world, God came for the entire world. And so, of course, some of us know he died on the cross. Hours have gone by. He finally gives up the ghost. He gives up the ghost and he surrenders himself to God. In the New Testament, we will have those seven sayings around Easter time come and the seven last words that he gave prior to him giving up the ghost and giving himself. Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. It is finished. And so when he says it is finished, What Jesus' death symbolizes is that, number one, we have a guarantee that that debt has been paid. Number two, the enemy 
no longer has victory in the death that we would have faced if Jesus did not die. Okay. And the third thing is Jesus, he was buried in a tomb. Once they took him off the cross, he was buried in a tomb. On the third day, three days had went by, but on the third day of being in that tomb, the power of the almighty God that he had within himself allowed him to get up from the grave and to ascend back into his father. So Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it solidified our eternal covenant that we have life everlasting through him when we believe in him. So when we believe in him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and spirit, and we receive him in our hearts, his life, death, and resurrection, we have experienced salvation. So when we die, we will go to heaven and have eternal life. So the third thing is the fact that Jesus got up from the grave. It squashes the enemy's victory that we have to face death as our final destination. No. When we close our eyes and we die, do you not know God retrieves us back to him, our soul, and we have a home with him eternally. So we'll live eternally with him. We'll see his face face to face. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When Jesus died, where Satan had to assemble himself because he was kicked out of heaven, he needed a place to go. He took some of the angels with him. They became his servants. He went down to hell, what some of us will call Haiti, not the country, H-A-I-T-I, but Haiti, H-A-D-E-S, Haiti, hell, the, the lower parts of the earth, hell, fire and brimstone, hell, where he resides. And he took the keys of death. And what that means is that the enemy was still holding the keys to keep us dead, locked away from God forever. But Jesus' blood being shed on that cross, him dying, going to the tomb to pay for that debt of sin, allowed him to take back those keys for life, go back unto heaven. And we have eternal life through him. It is only through Jesus Christ that we will live forever. And not only that, but we will live on earth in this earthly body, you and I, as a remnant of this great work of salvation, as a witness to the witness that's already in heaven, which is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. All right. John 3, 16, John 
St. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, got that? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's say that one more time together. St. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. If I believe in him, I will have everlasting life. If I believe in him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. If I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the true and living God. If I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, if I believe that Jesus died so that I can live eternally with God, if I believe that Jesus died to cover the debt that I could not pay, which is death, if I believe that Jesus loves me that much to give his life for me, he didn't just take the bullet for me, but he endured the gruesome cross, the humiliation, the beating, the scorn, the, the laughter, all the things that they did to him for me. If I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that God is his father, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. If I believe in God, if I believe and I confess to him that he is God, he is Lord, and if I ask him, God, come into my heart, I believe you are the Lord. I believe you are the Christ. I believe you are the Savior of the world. Come into my heart so that I can serve you and love you for the rest of my life and he comes in and I am changed I am saved I can now experience the fullness of his salvation so salvation the finished work of Jesus Christ is a lifetime of unlimited blessings a lifetime of unlimited benefits so when I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life, I am confessing that I am saved. And the last day, oh, I have a reserved seat, a reserved mansion in heaven, as the scripture says. I believe in my heart. I've confessed with my mouth. I have asked God to forgive me of my sins that I did not know I was sinning, sins that I didn't know was there, sins that I, things I did wrong that were not pleasing 
in his sight or anybody's sight. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrong. Forgive me of all the things that I have done that offended you, that you did not like. Come into my heart, Lord. Come into my heart and be Lord over my life. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Save me. And when I pray that prayer and then I begin to call on his name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. When I begin to call on the name of Jesus with an open heart, he comes in and does a work in my heart. And when I believe that he has done that work, I am saved and no one can take that away. And that's how you And I need to ask God to save us. When we ask him to save us, that way God will come in with his sweet spirit. He will come into our hearts. We will feel him enter into our hearts and do a work in us. Tears might come. We might not be able to control, but when his presence, we will feel his presence come into our hearts. We will feel his presence come into our very soul, our very being as we pray to him and as we begin to call on his name. And when his presence becomes God so full over us and in us until we know and we have received it with our whole heart and not doubt. Don't you know that we have received Jesus Christ and we are saved We are saved. And so when it's all over, we can just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for being Lord over my life. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my heart. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. And that is how you receive your salvation. And so experiencing it now to experience Salvation is very simple. Every day you get up and you pray, you read your word and you obey your word. Do what's right. Talk to God like I'm talking to you. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's in your heart. Tell him all about it. Open yourself up to him and then let him talk back to you. Pour out yourself to him and then let him pour himself out on you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Let God come into your heart. I know it may be hard. I know you may be struggling. I know there are things that you don't understand. But if you can believe that Jesus loves you, if you can believe, if you can believe, if you can just believe and just begin to talk to him and just allow his spirit to do the work in your life, you will open yourself up to experience the benefits of being saved, the benefits of being redeemed, of the benefits of being reconnected back to God. And when I say benefits, I'm talking about blessings. I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about when you go to apply for a job that you weren't qualified for, but you get the opportunity because you have the skill to do it. I'm talking about your enemies blessing you, your enemies giving you money and giving you things that you may need. I'm talking about you having peace over your enemies, you loving your enemies with your whole heart, not wanting to get back or get revenge. Oh my gosh. 
the benefits of salvation. We're going to talk about that next. There's so much that we can cover about his benefits, but I want to leave this with you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. But what saith it? I'm sorry, verse chap, verse 8 and 9. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. And I want to encourage you, even in our low estate, even in our low place, God, he's with you. His mind is on you. His thoughts are good towards you. I encourage you. I compel you. I ask you to give Jesus a try. You can have all the money, everything you want, but you'll still have that empty space deep down within wondering, what am I missing? What am I missing? You've, you've probably gone to parties. You've probably had some best, best times of your life. But there's still a small little place when everything gets really quiet, when everything gets really, really subtle and you have time to sit and relax and look around. You know, I'm missing something. That void is for Jesus. When you start asking yourself questions, is there more to life? Is it more to, to this? Is it, is it beyond this? Is there really another world that I'm just not seeing? Is this a discovery that everybody knows about but me? Yeah, you need Jesus. You can be nice. You can be good. You may not cuss. You may not drink. You may not do any of the things that are named as shameful. You may just live a great casual life. You're a good person. You do good things. You, you give. You, 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 you're, you're kind. You're polite. You do for others more than yourself. But still, at the end of the day, do I need to get married? Do I need a man? Do I need a woman? Do I need a pet? No. You need Jesus. And then some of us are married, happy, no regrets, just free, whoo, happy, in love. But somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere in a space and time where you have an opportunity to maybe glare out of the window or maybe sit in your office chair or at work, wherever that, that, that space of silence becomes so loud that it gets your attention and you wonder... Why do I feel like there's something missing? You may feel like you have everything. You may feel like everything is in its proper place. You have some good days. You have some bad days. But hey, that's life. But what am I missing? You need Jesus. I come to tell you today, Jesus, he is the answer. It's a simple sentence it's a simple notion it's a simple conversation to say you know hey i'm having a problem really yeah but jesus is the answer so 
in simplicity, in calmness, in great understanding. Take that one sentence. Jesus is the answer. And explore it. (laughs) Try it. Do your own research. Find out. Ask him. You can start talking to him right now. You don't need an interview appointment. You don't need a special person. You don't need a mediator physically. He's all of that. Jesus came as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. Emmanuel, God with us, is his name. He's your friend. When all of your friends are gone and you still feel like there really wasn't a true connection, he's your friend. He won't tell none of your business. You don't have to worry about any rumors. But I want you to know, Jesus is the answer. Salvation is built on your faith. When you use your faith every day to please God, you are living a life of salvation. When you experience the goodness of God by his mere presence alone, you're experiencing salvation. When you pray, believing that what you pray for, you will receive, you're experiencing salvation. Young people, I can't say it enough. These times call for desperate measures. You got to get in your word. When everything is down, God is always and will always be your help, your present help in the time of trouble. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify your holy and righteous name. I pray, Father, for the listeners today. I pray that every word that was spoken was full of life and grace and peace and truth. I pray you, God, will have your way in the lives of those who have listened on tonight. I pray, Lord, that you will begin to speak to them through the scriptures. I pray that you would give them divine understanding. Bring them to a point of salvation and receiving of you in their hearts putting away everything else, oh God, and making you preeminent in their life, making you most important. I pray, God, that you would help us, each and every one of us, to receive you each and every day. I pray, God, that you would cover us under your blood, the same blood that was shed on Calvary. Let your blood prevail, oh God. Let your blood cover us from the viruses and the sicknesses in this world today. Your power is greater than anything, oh God. You can do all things when we believe you, oh God. There is nothing too hard for you, Father. There is nothing too great for you, Father. You have it all in your hands. Be thou exalted, O God, 
In the name of Jesus. Strengthen us where we are weak. Build us up, Father, where we are torn down. Mighty God, I ask that you will bless our young people. Help them, O oh God. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Give them, O oh God, your strength. Give them, O oh God, understanding. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.